Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches, powered by Box Pro Magazine. Well, welcome to this episode of Box Talk. I am here with a couple of special guests. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, uh, I'm Dave Preuss. Uh, we live up in the, uh, northern Wisconsin, Hayward, Wisconsin, and uh, my back, how we came here is, uh, is actually, I retired from a police uh, background in Minneapolis area and was a trainer and did a lot of long distance and endurance events. And we came to uh, Hayward and, uh, and I continued doing that, but also started with Pavel uh, uh, with the kettlebells and started teaching kettlebells up here. Actually, just bringing kettlebells to the park. And a bunch of friends showed up, and we started uh, uh, a class. Well, that kind of migrated into uh, to indoors when it got cold. And then uh, from there, uh, we started to take some classes. And I'll let Darlene take, uh, introduce us off and continue on from there. Okay. My name is Darlene Price. Um, Dave and I have been married about... I think it'll be 16 years, and um, I was not an athlete before I met Dave, so all of this is new to me. I was a newspaper reporter, photographer, editor, um, and we moved to the Northwoods, and um, Dave started getting interested, and I love the outdoors also, but uh, Dave started getting interested in a lot of weight work and the, the kettlebells, which I loved, and um, just kind of took me along for the ride, and um we started out just, um, it was just a fun thing to do with our friends, and then suddenly we had more friends, and it got cold, and we had to get a bigger place inside, and we had to, um, we, we moved, I think, three or four times before we finally um, had a, our, moved into our current place, and by that time, um, we had gone from training kettlebells to um CrossFit, and I'll let Dave tell you why we decided <laughs> to go to CrossFit. <laughs> kind of passing the ball here. I lo- no, I yeah. love this. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what had happened, we went indoor, and actually I started some powerlifting because my son-in-law was into powerlifting. So we were doing some deadlifts and some squatting, and along with the ke- a lot of kettlebell work. And I, I got some certifications through Pavel, and Darlene actually got a certification through uh, uh, RKC at the time, not strong first. But, uh, and then we went on to this conference, this weekend of conferences. That, in fact, it ended up, we went to, I think, Denver and did a, a, a natural moving kind of conference. And then we went to uh, uh, Arizona and did a perform better uh, weekend conference. Then uh, I think with, uh, uh, with Pavel again out on the West Coast, during that time, we met a couple that were CrossFitters. Now, this was probably, what, 2007? 2008, maybe. 2008 yeah. or 2009, right around there. And um, they, and I had never really researched CrossFit, and I was actually kind of a, a naysayer to it. And then they got me interested. So I started reading a lot of Glassman's, a lot of his uh, writings and, and listening to his, uh, to his videos. And I got really sold. Mm-hmm. On, on his idea of fitness and his idea of wellness. And uh, we came back, and at the time, we were then already kind of decided maybe to make an advocation since we were both on pensions. Uh, so we uh, decided to, to sign up for a CF1, <laughs> never been in a, in a CrossFit box, 
and uh, went to uh, and went to the city of Juan in Arizona. Because it's cold in Minnesota or cold in Wisconsin. <laughs> so we decided Phoenix would be a great place to take our CFO. Yeah. That was a yeah. great excuse to get away. And we got so lucky. We had Chris Spieler. We had, uh, oh, who was, uh, it was Matt Chandler. I actually went to CF2. Matt Chan was for the CF2. CF2. Yeah. But we had we had a, a whole, whole corral of what would have been all the, the gamer, the game uh, crossfitters. That were the, the instructors, and they were. It was just a really good time. Uh, we had spent the whole time going on, on our drive out studying. We would uh, one person being driving, another person being the passenger seat, and we would just recite and and, and uh, try and remember, you know, just all the learning different the different ways to learn, so that so the test would be somewhat easy. And it was because we knew the su- subject matter. We just didn't know the practice. Right. <laughs> mm. Wow. So, even the you know the idea you know like in theory you understand scaling and stuff but when you get there and they say okay we're going to do Fran and all they have is thirty five pound bars and you know um, and twelve pound or fourteen pound wall balls and you know you've never done this before it was you know it was and you can't do a pull up you know I, all of it was you know it was pretty much oh my god I'll never get this but. Yeah. Um, it was very helpful to, um, to to learn firsthand what what scaling was like yeah, so and we, how it worked. So we dove into the deep end. Is what we did. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. It sounds a little yeah. overwhelming to me. And then we bought, we bought a building. It was it had wow. been repossessed, and it was just a big pole metal pole barn with a dirt floor. And we did all, most all the work ourselves. Uh, but for the radiant heat in the floor, we had and then we had a, a cement floor poured in. But we did. We foamed uh, the insulation in, and we put up the, the, the metal on the inside. And uh, and so we did most of the work ourselves. I had it bargained with other people for membership. So now we have this 3,000-foot-square building and a, a CF1, and we started uh, and training. And then we – yeah, it didn't take us long, actually, after about eight months or so. We went to CF2. And, wow. and actually, in, 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 really in, in Columbus, Ohio, we went right to Rogue. <laughs> and got CF, RCF too. Hmm. So what what was it about you know going to the level one and and CrossFit that sold you on that? Because it sounds like you all had tried a variety of other things. You know you could have stuck with kettlebells forever, but like what was it specifically about CrossFit that you're like, this is what we want to invest in and this is what we want to pursue. One thing that RKC and, and Spronk, what they don't do is actually give you an idea how to run uh, a gym and what philosophy to use and how to, to actually implement kind of, kind of some programming. And that was because I was looking at. And, and then also they didn't have a philosophy of, of wellness and all. And, th- and those kind of things that kind of sold me on CrossFit. And then, then also the idea coming from an endurance background is that the idea of making my workout shorter and more intense is like the, always like the end of a race. I, I got in, for 12 years, I was doing inline skate racing too. And it's always at the end of that is that where it's super high intense. And, I, and that's why I felt, I mean, I enjoyed that feeling. Yeah. So that's, it was easy for me to transfer over. The only thing I didn't have was the strength. Because the one thing that endurance events did, it seemed like it did all those years I was in law enforcement. I was not as strong as I was until after a few year, more years in, in, in the CrossFit. I was much stronger. And, and I was a lot more skeptical because we had a, a, a really loyal group of people who loved kettlebells, and I loved kettlebells too. Um, 
and you know the the truth was that that you know and Dave did does a tremendous job making things interesting. So we were all happy doing kettlebells. But Dave, frankly, I think got bored with just. <laughs> You know, there's, it's a wonderful tool, but there's a limit to how many things you can do with one tool. And, um, you know, so I wasn't exactly kicking and screaming, but I wasn't as enthusiastic as Dave was. Um, and we and we did lose um, quite a few of our, our you know, our, our, the women who really loved kettlebells. So we had to kind of build build from there. And... Um, and, and learn CrossFit as we were trying to teach other people CrossFit. Mm. So it was, um, it, it was, you know, it was pretty interesting. We never, we never were in the gym by ourselves. So we always had, we always had people. So that was, that was good. And then on another avenue, both my daughters uh, were into Cross, got into CrossFit. One actually works for Lifetime Fitness, and the other one owned a box and uh, ended up owning a box in uh, Mankato. But at the time, they were in at in, New York, uh, in, in Washington, D.C., and she was working for Crunch and coaching at a CrossFit D.C. Oh, CrossFit. okay. So now it was at that, that one we called. I had had this other background. I could get this other background and, understand, and find out what they were doing. And uh, my son-in-law, the, the daughter, Heather, the one that works for Lifetime Fitness, he now works for headquarters for Lifetime Fitness, and they started the Alpha program, which is kind of like a CrossFit program, but they're call it a different name so I could bounce a lot of things off of them too of what we were doing oh yeah that's nice to kind of have some feedback and a sounding board of people who are in it and doing it mm-hmm. yeah wow so but what led you to wanting to own a business like and open up a gym because I mean you loved it and I guess you were already doing it with kettlebells but what what made you want to have an established building and open up this place that people could come to and you know kind of like you said you were on pensions but like what made you want to yeah just pursue this and and become business owners well I'll give you my side and then darling can give you her side (laughs) (laughs) I love this it's like who's gonna say what so when I retire, I still remember my dad when he retired saying that, uh, that when I asked him what he thought about retirement, he says, I always plan to do something. Mm. And so when I came up here, the first, I'd say the first thing I did, I worked for the uh, National Park Service. I was a park ranger up at the Apostle Islands. Oh, cool. I did that over summer. Matter of fact, I had a kettlebell out with me when I retired <laughs> at the camps I was working. <laughs> And then that passed, and then I got a job with the Berkey, and that the, the Berkey Biner ski race is uh, is the American Berkey Biner is, is a 50k ski race, up, uh, the only one in the United States. Yeah, uh, North America's largest, right? Ten thousand skiers. So oh, I, I worked for them for a few years as a as a groomer and and took care help taking care of the trails while still doing the kettlebells and on my days off. And so you can see, I, I just like doing things, mm-hmm. and then. And then that, and then the, as as more people got involved in the kettlebell, and we ran into CrossFit, I kind of dropped that and thought this would be a good advocation. And I know Darlene wasn't super excited that we decided to start investing a lot of money. <laughs> so I'll let you have to give her her side. Well, yeah. So we were both, you know, Dave. Dave was fifty-two when we moved up here, and I was fifty-five. So we were both on the young side of retirement. And, you know, we really did enjoy a couple years of, you know, just, you know, I did a lot of freelancing and I volunteered for lots of things, used my writing and photography. Um, and the kettlebells was a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, the truth is, if we didn't do it up here, 
there was nobody else doing this type of thing. We're, we're you know, a town of 2,000 people, and um, the next closest CrossFit at that time, I think, when we opened, um, was three hours away. Minneapolis. You know, Minneapolis. Um, now there are there are several within. I think the closest is still an hour away. But but we really wanted to do it, and so. Um, and it and it kind of grew, you know. I mean, when we were doing kettlebells, first it was once a week, and then it was twice a week, and then it was three times a week, and um, and so with, you know, and you get more people who are interested. So it was like, well, not only did we count on it because we enjoyed it, but we had a group of people who, um, you know, were were willing to do what you know what they could to 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 help us so in fact it's a kettlebell it was a kettlebell club you know of course we did all the work but uh, <laughs> but, but then uh, we got to, to crossfit and we had to start charging because we had bills um mm-hmm. everybody came along with us so um and you know since both of us actually worked for i had neither had really any business background yeah and uh and so we were always kind of consoled each other by saying we were we were giving a community service, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is our way to is to give us because we, we couldn't charge a lot for uh, because there's, uh, we wanted to attract people that worked up here and the yeah. salary and lived up here and lived up here yeah and the salaries were not really great up here and we wanted to attract those and and we wanted we wanted this community to grow so we we foot a lot of the bill originally for quite a few years. Hmm. And just survived, and uh, and it was we just we, we created a group of people, our friends that pay us a little bit. And we all do the same. Thing. <laughs> hmm. and, and I think our guiding our guiding thing was always, you know, I mean, for me, the bottom line was we can't go in the red on this. But you know, hey, yeah. if we break even, that's fine, and we do better than break even. But yeah. um, but we do even better than break even if Dave didn't put everything in equipment. So. <laughs> Dave likes to buy new things, so so. But that's still, you know, we still are, you know, we still make a profit, and he does it within within that budget. But um, but it's it's fun. And we finished off the the inside of our building, so it looked up north. The it, we have Naughty Pine. I it, it's wow. a, it since we call it Crosscut CrossFit. We have Crosscut saws. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I kind of made sure that when people we have lots of drop-ins. We have about two hundred drop-ins now a year. And they always they always mention how it feels up north, even at the at the gym now. And they're always surprised at how well equipped we are too. Yeah, because like I say, Dave, that's Dave's hobby: <laughs> <laughs> researching new stuff and buying the stuff he he, he likes. So, yeah, that kind, of, kind of segues into how we end up with so much equipment to help scale and use with our master athletes. No, that does, and I was going to bring that up. I know, Darlene, you've been writing blogs for Box Pro, and that your latest blog was about equipping masters. And I was dumbfounded by all the different uh, little things you all have, and the de- even just kind of like the details from mobility to um, it sounds like that nifty rope machine that you were talking about. It, it's just it's just fascinating. So yeah, so why don't we go ahead and dive into that because I know you both are very typical in terms of like age of affiliate 
affiliate owners. Like usually I talk to people and they're, you know, 25, 30 and, um, you both are a little older and you have, it sounds like an older demographic and you've just really reached that demographic well. So I'd love to, yeah, like dive into that. As you said, Dave, talking about how, how do you go about reaching them? How do you go about equipping your gym to serve that demographic in a way that's just been super beneficial for them in your local community? I think it's, uh, it's beneficial that we attract the older uh, athletes or the older members. Some of them actually, actually never had done any physical, anything physical before. The negative portion is that we have to, we've been trying to get a lot more younger coaches in to attract that other side, uh, but we have a, we definitely have one or two classes that we we emphasize we have most of our 50s, 60s, and a, a quite a bit a few group of 70s. Uh, uh, I think by five or six, 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 six seventy oh, year olds over seventy, yeah. and wow. they they do really well. <laughs> and so I, I don't. So let's go into the equipment. Uh, seeing that. Uh, as most CrossFit gyms, and actually going back to most kettlebell clubs and kettlebell gyms, found that that it was more uh, female dominated. You know, the, the women were just, and I always told them that just because they were more open minded. <laughs> Is that when guys came in, the ego they tripped on their egos a lot and wanted to go heavy, and plus they were seeing women that could lift more than they could. That didn't do well for him, especially if a 50-year-old guy comes in and sees a 70-year-old woman that can lift more. It doesn't do well for his ego. <laughs> so we, uh, but it, it, it's kind of went through that as we needed things. Like uh, most gyms, most the boxes now have 45s and and 35-pound uh, uh, dumbbell. I mean barbells uh, and. And I don't differentiate between men and women. They're just a 45-pound bar, and they're a 35-pound bar. Well, we needed lighter bars. And I started with, I bought six or seven of 50, the 15-pound bars, the training bars. Yeah. And what was nice about that, some of our women got too strong for those, but not actually strong enough for the 35 pounds. And then we ended up going to the junior bar, so I have now quite a few 22-pound junior bars, too. Oh. And, and along with that, we had. I had to look at weights. I wanted. I wanted them to be able to experience everybody else to be able to drop bars and to be able to do the same kind of movement. So I looked, looking at the early training plates, and I bought yeah the the recycled. I, I, we have a bunch of different variations of the five pound training plates, and some were good. Some I had to have, you know, have after they broke, had them replaced. And now they've come up with some good harder 10 pounds to uh, 10 pound plates. That you can drop and they bounce. Can, and, yeah. yeah. And, they're, and, and they're the right distance from the floor. So um, you, you don't have the little tiny plates on trying to approximate where, where it should be underneath your body. Yeah. And then what's kind of nice, then we actually now have gravitated to, I had to buy out quite a few more 15 pound plates because now most of the women are using the 15 pound plates with the bar. Which is, to me just shows that our group has the as they moved along got stronger and stronger and we had to give them the equipment so they could continue. Yeah, actually, after after we bent a couple of the fifteen pound bars, we, <laughs> we not too many people. We only use the fifteen pound bars like if you need like if there's a wad that needs forty five pounds and that's a you know, fifteens and or or if we're doing overhead squats and most of the time um, those are pretty much not used you know i mean wow you guys are bending barbells in your box that's pretty impressive hey don't tell anybody that just say yeah we're bending barbells in our box 
we would know better now. So, but the, yeah, the 22 pound bar though is still, you know, for some things it's 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 um, a little too heavy, but it's you can load it as as heavy as many weights as you can get on it. So, um, it's a nice um, a nice step up and still a nice light bar. Yeah, and we came in with. Uh, quite a few kettlebells since we already had kind of filled out so I, we have kettlebells that run a group from 10 pounds and actually i have up all the way to 150 pounds but but usually right up to 62 i have quite a few 62 pounds so in that range everybody can use two bells and uh and that's kind of when we do uh, we do a lot of kettlebell work and i have to thank pavel for that basically because it, we we have pretty good skills compared to some of the our drop-ins that come in wow uh, yeah so then we the dumbbells, uh, that was a new thing for me because I only had a few of them. And since I'd used kettlebells for so long, I really got to like using the dumbbells. So now we have, and also we put on a Festivus game, and I had to fill out. Now, so we have a, a rack and a half of, of quite a few uh, dumbbells. But I see I see that as a really good movement uh, with those, too. And 10 pounds, you know, from 10 pounds up. Yeah, so we have those from 10 to 50s now. So. Hmm. And... And then, then for pull-ups, we probably have more rings than most groups. It's not that we do more muscle-ups. It's that we do a lot more ring rows. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, those, and those kind of things, too. Yeah, and then also we have we have four, uh, four uh, those adjustable junior pull-up bars you can put on the side of the rack. Mm-hmm. So we can do a lot more jumping pull-ups, too. Yeah. And so... So what, I have 11 platforms. What we have is four Olympic platforms, and then I have, and then we have five. Uh, the cattle mats know that are they're eight by six or eight by four, eight, eight, yeah, eight by yeah, eight by four. Eight well, by four. Have, eight, and we have two of those per per, uh, per platform. So I have 11 platforms. So I try to we try to hold our classes to 11, so everybody can have a platform. Oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So every time that I look at equipment, then I look at. F- Building out a platform with what kind of equipment we need, so everybody can have a pull-up bar. Somebody, and if, even if they're jumping pull-ups, that so they kind of get close to that. Uh, yeah. So that's how we kind of fill those out. Uh, okay. And that is one you know um, that that we can afford more different types of equipment is that we our classes are small. Mm. You know, I mean, if we had classes of twenty and had to have twenty people doing and twenty of everything. It might be a different story on how how we allocate money, but you know our building is small, our classes are small, so um, we can afford a variety of equipment and training. Yeah. Yeah, so is this equipment, um, especially geared towards, like, uh, the master athlete, like, is that stuff you you just saw the need for over time, or did you know opening up, like, oh, we'll probably need uh, these types of equipment pieces or these weights in order to reach our demographic and, and serve them well? Is that something you've just kind of learned and adapted to? Because I'm sure there are other box owners out there who, who might have a, a large demographic of master athletes that they can reach or could be reaching, well, and they're I, not I, sure. I think one reason is because um, I'm a small woman who wasn't particularly strong to begin with, yeah. you know. So and, and so I I knew what a beginner needed, and I think often when you have, I mean, I know, um, you know, just from from my training experience and going to other boxes, you know, there's really a, you know like I, I see how strong young women are, and there's not a real understanding of necessarily of of how low you have to start sometimes i mean you can gain, gain 
strength quickly. But um, so I think I was pretty much, um, you know, on the um, Dave's advisor on, you know, like I want this, you know, I want I want something the way I can do it. And and he's really sensitive to that too because he knows if I'm not into it, um, it's not as much fun for him. So. And then I think you hit on something about for other affiliates that I I found out fairly quickly is that to retain this group, which by the way you know since we're we're talking about a business too is that this group usually has has a, a, they have time and they usually have money and so I want to accommodate them and I think that's adapting or accommodating probably the same idea that I want to make sure that we held them to a standard but I want to make sure we had the equipment. To make them feel like they were part as we, I mean, we do have 20 or 30 year olds that are, that are, that, that are, 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 are uh, fire breathers too. <laughs> so I want them to be able to look at them and to feel like they're in the same class. Yeah. And I don't want them struggling with a 35 pound bar when I want them to take a 15 and I constantly where the, the back and forth and scaling is, is something that we're always going on at our place, trying to make sure they're doing the movement and making sure though that, that they're gaining something out of it and gaining in some uh, some confidence, uh, and I'm always, and what I'm trying to do is all related to, to relate everything we're doing to functional fitness. Uh, I, I, Olympic lifting, you know, they say why teach a 60 year old to Olympic lift, and I always what I tell them is that uh, is that what we're trying to do is that when you trip on that curb, when you're walking over the curb, you can quickly use fast twitch, muscle twitch to be able to catch yourself. You can move quickly again. You know, we can actually get you to move quickly. You don't have to submit to, you know, scarcopenia and say that everything has to start slowing down. And we do have a lot of our, our 70-year-olds are actually moving really well on like doing doing a split under under a, a, a split jerk. It's, it's unbelievable how they gain speed, which really emphasizes the idea that you do not have to accept the fact that you are going to just completely slow down. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool just to hear that you've seen that and seen your athletes change. And I know, um, uh, Darlene, I mentioned that you all have the Masters RX standard to kind of level the playing field, it sounds like. And that is a really cool idea, Dave. So what, we, <laughs> what we've added now is uh, we have now the RX, and, and then I program the, uh, the Masters RX. We also now have the Senior Master RX. What? what? Yeah. What's the difference between those? 65 and plus. Oh, okay. So now what, what I do is that actually, what that ends up being, if you want to look at how the Open does, they're, they're, it's what their scaled version of the Open for Masters. Oh, okay. So they're 60 plus, and then they always have a scaled version. So what, what I like, why I like to do it, and, and for those other affiliates out there, is that the idea is that you now also can make it safe for them to do yeah. the movement. Because say, now you are working at, with that 10-pound dumbbell, you can tell the women saying, you are working at an RX rate. You are competing with that, that fire breather over there. Go mm. for it. <laughs> that is so cool. I mean, and, and does that translate well into your athletes? Like, do they grasp that concept pretty well? Well, we just we just started the senior um, RX, a senior MRX, uh, what, two weeks ago? Right. And the first workout was one that was, um, it, the weights were just light enough and it was so cool to watch it, and and I'm I fit the senior uh, um, MRX uh, category, but it was everything was just enough lighter that you could really go at it like as hard as you could go. And when we looked at our leaderboard, so if um, the deal is if you 
fulfill the standards for your um, age, you get to mark Rx. And um, so on the whiteboard, we use modify, and so it shows on the whiteboard, you show up as Rx. And our Rx, or our leaderboard that day, uh, our whiteboard had um, Rx, uh, two Rx athletes, men and women, were first. And second were senior MRX, and then third were RX, and they were all they were all pretty much, you know, very very wow. close reps, and and to me it was, and they were, you know, in fact, um, the athletes that you would expect to do well in that workout, you know, and so it was it was pretty exciting, and it just lit a fire under the um, the, the 65 plus <laughs> to really go at a workout, and they do anyhow, but but there was a different. Um, an elevation of excitement, I thought. And what, what I'm finding, too, plus you can hold the master athlete or the senior athlete to a standard. Mm-hmm. It's not just that they scale them for the weight. They're working the weight they're supposed to be working. Now you just, the standard is you got to do the movement. You know, if, if it calls for a squat, you have to do the squat. Even though maybe your wall ball is only six pounds or eight pounds, you still have to do the squat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that, I mean, that makes sense. And I know, um, Darlene mentioned in one of her blogs, I'm, I'm, I'm always re- referencing your blogs because they were just so good, but uh, that that one of the things that you both have fought for is finding that balance between, you know, the struggles of master athletes uh, face that they face while um, not coddling them as well. And I kind of wanted to hit on that, you know, since we're just talking about, like, giving them this idea of, of senior masters RX and, and allowing to push them, but also realizing where maybe those actual um, boundaries are, and, and but how to, like, push up against that threshold, you know, without without decreasing safety. Because I think sometimes coaches and affiliates are like, I just don't know how far to push them. And every athlete's different. But I was just kind of curious if you could speak on that a little bit. That's always a concern with us is uh, is because we do have, uh, you know, one thing about senior uh, and math, senior master athletes are 55, 60, and 70-year-olds. There is, you know, you have to worry. The AFib was actually uh, pretty big up here because uh, the skiers up here have quite a bit of AFib. We have some of our, our clientele that has that. We have other client, uh, some of our clientele is a little overweight and have been trying to work on that. And so we, I do occasionally actually scale people. I watch how they're moving, and uh, if they're outside the, the, the realm that I'm comfortable with, I usually will, will slow them down or stop them or suggest an extra break or just go talk to them, and we'll talk to them, but actually they're taking a break. <laughs> That's true. That's sneaky. <laughs> yeah, I go over there and I explain it. Either I explain it to the, the standard that as we're standing there, a minute or so will go by, it will give them, allow their heart rate to go back down, mm-hmm. and then they can continue on. And uh, it, it, but, but, you know, even though we have these, you know, we have standards, different standards, Not you know, it doesn't matter what age they are. Not everybody does rx for their weight i mean we are really aware and um you know just just because that 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 not um not not every workout every person can do rx i mean we don't try to make sure that everybody can do our the standards we we make them it's a stretch for the you have to work to meet the standards in fact yeah for a while um our mrx standard um Dave, I thought, was going a little light. He asked me, he says, well, what can you do on this weight? And um, 
you know, and I tell him what weight I could do, and he put that as a standard. And I said, well, you know, and finally it got to the point. I said, you know, this isn't what the standard should be because <laughs> there are the standard should be, and there's a couple of women that I compete with all, who are stronger than I am, mm -hmm. and they're you know within a few years of my age. And I said, that's you know, that's the standard we want. We want what the strongest person of this age can do, and that's how you know that's and, and we make sure that that's. It's going to be a stretch for them, and so, um, so, and and I think our attitude is when you know, it, um, and, and I, it's me more often who can't meet the, you know, like the standards for the day than Dave. But you know, I think by making it okay that the stressing that it's, um, you know, every every workout's different, every person's different, um, and we should all be striving to to to, to do it well. It's okay. You just do it the best you can. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, um, it, it's health. I guess health is what we're yeah, really and to, stressing. And, and to be honest, uh, we we our, our retention rate is probably not great. We've had since we do attract a lot of master athletes. We've had a lot of people float through that because I, you know, even though we do scale and we do have all these exceptions for the they they realize it's hard work. Mm -hmm. And and as uh, as Glassman talks about, it's it's hard. I mean, it's some of the, the some of the things I tell people from when we like the on ramp is telling them this this is not an easy thing to do, and to gain benefit from it, it has to be hard. I am kind of disheartened sometimes when I see other not even just affiliates or other gyms that that dumb down the exercise so much where they think that. A 60-year-old, all they have to do is sit up and down on a box, and somehow that is a benefit. Mm. Uh, I don't, I don't believe that. I, you know, it very well may be, and they should go to those boxes then. But uh, I, silver sneakers, I've seen that, and I don't. You know, it's not what I teach. I, uh, I tried personal training for a while, and I, I couldn't do that. Uh, so maybe I'm being a little more stingy that uh, we need the kind of the, we need the, the clientele that is going to actually work out will make a change in their life. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it's kind of the sad truth. And being that age, I feel confident that I can say that, yeah. that I know a 30 year old would be, be shunned by, by saying that you can't work with somebody because they're too old or too immobile. But I don't want to have a class that is slowed down by somebody that where the other people can gain. I don't know if I'm, I'm explaining that right or not. Well, well, but I mean, we, we have taken plenty of people who, who you come in and you say, well, I'm not sure they're going to make it. And they've turned into really decent prosecutors. You know, they worked hard. But there are so many, there are also, because because they think there are a lot of older people here that anybody can do it, it that sometimes they're a little bit too far away from where we can you know, they do need personal training, one-on-one -on -one training, and we're a small box and can't provide that. I think a good analogy there is, I, is they use that when people apply for jobs, not everybody makes the job because they just don't have the work ethic. Yeah. I'm kind of getting that. Yeah, and I mean, I don't, I don't think that is something that is just seen in the master athlete. Like I, I see that at my gym with athletes of all ages who come in, and you know, we help. I'm, I'm a coach there, so we help. You know, the beginners come in, and there are some people who are willing to work and show up, be consistent, and then there are others who are just like. They just do not have that work ethic, so it does not work out for them. Even though, like, they could 
they could benefit from it because we all know you can, but if they do not have the work ethic or choose to be consistent and show up and do the work, then, I mean, you can only help them so much until they leave. So I I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I know what you're saying there. So, um, and then kind of off of that, Darlene and Dave, just, just maybe kind of heading towards the end and wrapping this up. I didn't know if either of you had any advice, um, maybe specific, you know, two, three tips or pieces of advice that you could give to other affiliate owners who are looking to start, uh, you know, reaching them, the master athlete that are looking to really grow, um, in this area of their gym, because I, I, this is another demographic that I think could really benefit from CrossFit and has, you know, not been reached into as much and not been uh, affected by as much, but could be. So I don't know if you maybe had any tips or advice, two or three, that you could give to other affiliate owners that you've kind of picked up over the years and could impart upon them. I would have, I have a couple. Uh, one is that make sure that uh, if you're going to attract the dem- our demographic uh, is that is that you have to be able to invest in recovery, and and what I, and in that meeting in education, you I see I, I there's a uh, Facebook thread of sixty plus, and I see I believe some of the issues there. A lot of people are working after sixty too many days in a week because the recovery hasn't come up. They haven't they haven't invested in in recovery. Uh, I happen to invest uh, actually in devices in recovery. And uh, and and supplement just anything to help the recovery. So personally, I only work out three times a week: Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then some Saturdays I teach a class or have an open gym and I do a few things. Uh, I do okay in the open. I you know I've made the top 200 the past three years, so I felt that I'm doing it. It's I'm strong. I'm working out enough. Yeah. I and and I feel healthy enough. <laughs> And I like to play golf. I run a golf group too during the summer. There, oh, that's uh, we, awesome. During the winter, during the winter, I mean, during the winter, I run a golf group. So I play golf twice a week during the summer, and, uh, and so I mean that's why I do it. Like today, I was out riding the mountain bike out in the trails and working with some wood out here. That's kind of why I do the stuff in the gym. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't even have to think about what I'm doing out here because I just I have the energy and the strength. So I guess that that if I would like to. Leave the, just the one tip is that invest in recovery. And building on that, I mean, we, you know, because we only want to work out three days a week um, for a long time. That's we, we only had classes three days a week. Uh, now some of our younger coaches um, take the, the days we're not there. But um, I know from being active on the Facebook page, like the 60 plus and the masters group, that um, there seems to be a feeling that um, more is better, that if I work out five days a week, somehow I'll get better. And and I don't think there's a lot of support um, and, and maybe a lot, not a lot of understanding from younger coaches that really, you know, like the 55-plus athlete for sure, um, they, they actually would benefit more by, uh, you know, three days a week, a maximum of three days a week, and, and doing active recovery and being active and but but not three CrossFit, you know, not anything more than three CrossFit workouts a week. Um, and I don't think there's a lot of, um, necessarily a lot of support for that. Um, and, and, and I think that's what, um, you know, just like our, our MRX and our senior MRX standards, give them, give them the feeling that they are meeting the standard if, if 
um, if there was an understanding by younger coaches that the standard for um, recovery has to be met for the older athlete too, that that's as important as the, the building the muscle. You see, we, we offer free WAMWAD too at our box. Mm-hmm. So after a workout, any uh, that I throw the WAMWAD, and that we have groups, then we'll do WAMWAD. Uh, I have lots of recovery tools and uh, the vibrate plate and, and those and and we, we look at doing things always for recovery, even for I mean certainly our younger athletes too. How about for you, Coach? Do you emphasize recovery at all? Or? Uh, we don't do a lot of recovery. We've, I know personally in my own classes, mobility is a big deal. I'll spend five, 10 minutes every, every class on mobility, typically, uh, after the warm up. Um, in terms of recovery, we, we had, to, we had tried Rob Wad and it just wasn't as like, people just did not want to do it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we don't do a ton of recovery, unfortunately, but I do understand the importance of it. I mean, that mobility, like I've seen the own, the benefit in my own training just from stretching and taking time to roll out. Yeah. Yeah. So no, so no, those are great tips. You guys, thank you. I think that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, seriously, thank you for so much for talking to me today. Uh, anything else that um, either you wanted to add about, you know, just masters and in training, your box, anything that came to mind as we we're talking that you didn't get a chance to share? Not can I think of, although, I, you know, going back to Glassman and the idea that I was trying new things, that's kind of what I've always, I've always done. And that's what I use CrossFit for. I like trying new sports and, new, and, and it gives me the strength and the ability to do that. So, yeah, I drank the Kool-Aid quite a while ago. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, I'm still a strong supporter of, uh, of the kind of workouts. It's interesting where it's going now, taking kind of taking the games out of the emphasis and yeah. seeing where we're going from here. So, uh, But it's always, an, uh, I suppose, an adventure or a journey. So. Yes, that is very, very true. Awesome. Well, you guys, thank you so much for taking the time to just chat with me today and, and let our audience listen in on to kind of the inner workings of CrossFit, CrossFit and uh, what you guys are doing there. I think it's neat. I think it's awesome that you are making these tweaks and changes and reaching, you know, the, the masters of, of this demographic. And gosh, I hope we can see that happening in other gyms and reaching this demographic across the country more and more because I, we all need to be active. <laughs> so that would be really great. But yeah, thank you so much for talking to me today, you guys. I really appreciate it. And that wraps it up for this episode of Box Talk. If you liked what you heard or you have an idea of what you'd like to hear, let me know by emailing heather at peakmedia.com, peak spelled P-E-A-K-E. As always, Thanks for dropping in.